Welcome to another edition of the Prophecy Update radio program, whereby we intend to authenticate the sovereignty of God through Bible prophecy by telling you what Bible prophecy has to say about these days. I'm your host, Bill Solace, and I'm delighted to have as our guest today someone who's been on the program before, Dr. David Reagan. David, thanks for being on the show again with us. Well, thank you, Bill, for having me. It's always a joy to be on this program with you. Well, and, and the same as with uh, when I'm on your TV show, it's such an honor to be on your show. And uh, so just so for the listeners, most of them, of course, are familiar with you, but Dr. David Reagan is the founder of Lamb and Lion Ministries. That's at lamblion.com. He is also the TV host of Christ in Prophecy. I've had the opportunity of being on that show several times. It's a wonderful TV show where he gets experts from around the country to talk about biblical prophecy. And this is going to be the theme of what we talk about today, a book he's written. He's written many books, but one of them is called Living on Borrowed Time, available at his website, lamblion.com. And uh, I, I really think this is important because what he's done in this book is talked about how, how all the end-time signs seem to be converging. And <clears throat> he uh, asked, he put together a panel of about 22 Bible prophecy experts, and he asked them questions that were very significant. We're going to go through some of those questions and see what the experts are saying about, you know, are we truly living in the end times? You know, David, I had, uh, yesterday I was at a, a big church. I was out in the courtyard signing some books and things. And I had a young man about 25 years old come up to me. And he was sitting at a table, had been sitting at a table with his mom who had her Bible open. And she was trying to impress upon him that he's that possibly that final generation. They're living in the last days and all that. And he was really struggling with that. And so he, they called me over to sit with them and talk with them a little bit. And, and of course, I gave my reasons, and some of, some of them I, I gave to you when you interviewed me in, in, for this book. But I referred him to your book, um, Living on Borrowed Times, because I think in that book you got all these, uh, these important answers about all these different signs that are converging. So um, tell me a little bit about this book, and then I want to kind of go through some of the questions that you asked these uh, Bible prophecy experts. Sure. Uh, well, I begin the book uh, by talking about scriptural principles that apply to the uh, return of Jesus. You know, just fundamental principles like the uh, fact that uh, Jesus has promised to return, uh, that uh, uh, there are some people who deny he will ever come back, and I talk about uh, that viewpoint, which is called amillennialism and why it's unbiblical. I talk about the fact that we cannot know the uh, date of his return, but that we can know the season of his return because we've been given signs to watch for and that those signs are around us right now, happening right now. Then in the second uh, part of the book, I go into a prophetic forum where I uh, interview uh, these 22 different Bible prophecy experts, including you, and ask them about 11 different questions. Uh, the third section of the book, I have um, a number of chapters in detail on what I consider to be the key signs of the end times, like the reestablishment of Israel, the revival of the Roman Empire, the proliferation of cults, the convulsion of nature, the growth of apostasy, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, uh, and things of that nature. And then finally, in the last section, I talk about uh, the challenge to the church, because the church is asleep today, and uh, the church is not uh, preaching the soon coming of Jesus, and therefore Christians are apathetic about his return. But the section I think people find most uh, fascinating is the section you talked about, where I ask uh, 11 questions of these uh, 22 different Bible prophecy experts. Yes, <clears throat> and I want to go through some of those questions. I think I've got them popped up here from my old notes when you sent them to me. If not, I'll uh, 
you'll direct me. You've written other books similar to this. Where you've had forums and, and had shows, TV shows. So I want to make sure I've got the right questions in front of me. But I do want to say this. One of the things that I think is very important about your message and your ministry is you are so glued into the fact that Jesus is coming very soon, especially in the rapture. It's an imminent event. And that that should put Christians on the edge of their seat to to be called to holiness and evangelism. T- talk about that for just a moment, and then we'll get into some of these questions. Well, yes, that's, that's the passion of my heart. I, I was a, a professor of international law and politics for 20 years, and uh, I began studying Bible prophecy in detail, and uh, it really gripped me that uh, it was very clear that we are living in the season of the Lord's return because of the signs of the times. And I gave up that career and stepped out in faith in 1980 to start preaching this message. And that's the fundamental message of this ministry is that we are living on board time. We're living in the season of the Lord's return. And that that is a two-edged sword that cuts uh, two ways. For the, for the uh, believer, the message is commit your life to holiness and commit your life to evangelism. And for the unbeliever, it means uh, flee into the loving arms of Jesus uh, before it's too late, because he is coming back to pour out the wrath of God upon this world, and uh, people need to get right with him right away. And so I have this sense of urgency. I believe we're living in the most exciting period of world history, uh, second only to the first coming of Jesus Christ. Okay, and so when you mentioned that in your response, I think one of the first questions, if I'm not mistaken, that you did ask of the panel is do you believe we are living in the seasons of the Lord's return? That is the first question, and every person on the panel, all 22, said absolutely we're living in the season of the Lord's return, but I was surprised by something uh, in their responses because I expected nearly all of them to say, uh, because the question was two ways, do you believe we are living, two parts, do you believe we're living in the season of the Lord's return, and if so, why? And I expected them to say that we were, and they did, But what surprised me was when they they got to the why part. I expected probably 98% of them to say because of the reestablishment of Israel in 1948. And certainly all of them consider that important, but that is not uh, the majority uh, 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 reason that was given for believing that we're living in the seasonal Lord's return. The overwhelming majority focused on one word, a word that you've already mentioned several times, and that is convergence. In other words, they said the main reason we believe we're living the season of the Lord's return is not because of any one particular sign, but because we have so many signs converging that are coming together for the first time, that all of the signs of the end times are coming together. There's been times when people, uh, you know, would say, well, we've got this sign and that sign, and so Jesus must be coming soon. But there were many other signs that weren't around. But today we can look around us and we can see... So many, uh, all of these signs that Jesus mentioned, we can see them converging at one time, coming together. And we can say, wow, uh, there's not anything missing today from the world scene in terms of the signs that we were told to look for. Okay, and I want to talk about some of those converging signs as we get closer to the end of the show. But um, again, we're talking with Dr. David Reagan, and we are discussing his recent book called Living on Borrowed Time, The Imminent Return of Jesus, and you can get that at lamblion.com in his store there at his website. And now, but among those signs of the end times, you asked, I think, question number two is, what do you consider to be the single most important sign of the times and why? Yes, uh, I decided to zero in on it, uh, thinking that Probably they'd be the same answer they gave to question one, but it wasn't at all because question one was 
yes, we believe that uh, we're in the season, but it's all because of the convergence of all these signs. But when I got to number two and I said, okay, what do you consider to be the single most important sign of the times? Well, overwhelmingly, uh, people pointed to the reestablishment of Israel in uh, 1948. Now, they mentioned other things like the decay of society and upheaval in the Middle East and things of that nature. But, boy, the one that they really focused on was the reestablishment of Israel. And, Bill, you know why that's true, because uh, end-time Bible prophecy focuses on Israel and the Middle East. And uh, for, you know, 500 years ago, the Puritans who began to study Bible prophecy in detail and who began to believe that it means what it says and that you should take its plain sense meaning, they began to say, in the end times, the Bible says that the Jewish people will be regathered from the four corners of the earth and the nation of Israel will be reestablished. And those of us who take Bible prophecy to mean what it says have always uh, believed that. It's wonderful to go back in the 19th century and read books that were written then by people who believe Bible prophecy in the early 20th century. And they said over and over, the Jews are going to be regathered and the land of Israel is going to be reestablished. And people laughed at that and mocked that and jeered at them. And some of them continued to mock even up to the very day, May 14, 1948, when the nation was reestablished. They said, well, it won't last a week because it's surrounded by 250 million Muslims who are going to come in there and destroy the place. And they've tried over and over and over, but Israel is still existing. And as a matter of fact, um, David has a magazine they put out at Lamb Line Ministries called Lamp Lighter. And I encourage you, if you don't get it, you can get it. On, you can download it online, or he also sends out a publication monthly that you can subscribe for. And his January-February edition of 2014 is dealing with this very subject. It's proof of God's existence through Israel and Bible prophecy. Matter of fact, it's Israel and Bible prophecy proof of God's existence. I want to take a moment on that because I really was enjoyed the article, David. Thank you. There's evidences. <clears throat> The rebirth of the nation fulfilled many prophecies, but there's a lot of other things you point to, uh, the reclamation of the land and, and all these other things in this article. Take just a moment to talk about some of the highlights of how we can prove God's existence. Well, through uh, all my life I've been told that, uh, you know, there's no way you can prove the existence of God. You just simply have to come to a point where you just take a leap of faith and you believe that God exists uh, for various reasons. It may be because of the complexity of the, of the nature of creation or whatever, but um, a few years ago, uh, not a few years ago, just about a year ago, I read a remarkable book by Carl Gallops, who is a pastor in Florida, a best-selling book called The Magic Man in the Sky. And he has been debating uh, atheists for some time, and that's what they call God, the magic man in the sky. And he points out in this book that God is neither uh, a magician, uh, nor is he a man, nor does he reside in the sky. And, uh, but uh, the thing that gripped, gripped me about the book was uh, about midway through, he said, I can prove to you beyond a shadow of a doubt that God exists. And the way he did it was by using Bible prophecy concerning the Jews. And it suddenly occurred to me he is absolutely correct. I mean, you can take the Bible and read what it says, prophecies written 2,500 years ago, even longer ago than that, about the end times. And they're very specific prophecy. They're not vague. They're not general. They're not babble like the uh, prophecies of Nostradamus. But they're very specific, detailed prophecies that say, in the end times, the Jewish people will be scattered uh, all over the world, that they will then be regathered, that the nation will be reestablished, uh, that uh, the, uh, they will reoccupy the city of Jerusalem, which occurred on uh, June the 7th, 1967, 
uh, that the uh, land will be reclaimed. In the 2,000 years they were out of the land, the land became a desolation that nobody wanted. It was uh, all the trees were cut down. Uh, it became a barren wasteland of malaria-infested swamps. And yet the Bible says very specifically in Ezekiel that when the Jews come back into the land, the land will become like the Garden of Eden once again. And that's exactly what has happened. Uh, it talks about the revival of the language which has occurred. It talks about them becoming a superpower in terms of military power, that they will devour all the nations round about who try to attack them. It tells us that the, all the Arab nations will try to attack them and take them back, uh, take that land back. So it's just specific prophecy after prophecy after prophecy that are being specifically fulfilled in detail today in our time. And the only way you can explain that is that the Bible must be, have supernatural knowledge, and that supernatural knowledge must have come from the creator of the universe. An ancient prophecy written over 3,000 years ago reveals that the Arab states and terrorist populations that share common borders with Israel will soon confederate in order to wipe Israel off the map. Their mandate is clear as it says in Psalm 83 verse 4, Come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. Psalm 83 predicts a climactic concluding Arab-Israeli war that has eluded the discernment of today's top Bible scholars. And yet, the Middle East stage appears to be set for the fulfillment of this prophecy. While many of today's top Bible experts are predicting that Russia, Iran, Turkey, Libya, and several other countries are going to invade Israel, according to the prophecy in Ezekiel 38, a timely book written by Bill Solace explains how Psalm 83 occurs prior to that. Discover how Israel defeats their ancient Arab enemies and why Americans need to stand beside Israel in this coming war. Author Bill Solace has released a new book called Psalm 83, The Missing Prophecy Revealed, How Israel Becomes the Next Mideast Superpower That Puts All of This Prophetic Information into Perfect Perspective. This book comes with a companion DVD package that includes three DVDs of Bill's teaching from within his Psalm 83 book. The DVDs come with PowerPoint slides, maps, images, and lines of force that work together to explain how Psalm 83 is clearly a prophecy for our time. This Psalm 83 package has been featured on numerous TV shows like TBN with Dr. Paul Crouch, It's Supernatural with Sid Roth, Jewish Voice with Jonathan Burnus, and Christ in Prophecy with Dr. David Reagan and many others. To purchase the best-selling Psalm 83 book, the DVD or both, visit prophecydepot.com. That's prophecydepot, like Home Depot.com. Or you can call area code 714-376-5487. Once again, that's area code 714-376-5487. Well, David, let me ask you this. You take a lot of tours to Israel. I went for my first time recently, and I was just fascinated. Matter of fact, I got to spend some time with a host, you uh, guide you'd used in the past named Shai. 
And you're going again. How many times have you been to Israel and, and you're going again? And do you have any openings left uh, on your tour? <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, I'm, I'm getting ready to take my 45th uh, tour to Israel uh, on uh, uh, the middle of March. And it's going to be my last one that I'm going to take to Israel because of, uh, my wife has been ill for some time and I can't be away from her for very long. So I'm taking my associate, whom you know, Nathan Jones, who is a very outstanding teacher of Bible prophecy, and I'm training him in how to take groups in the future. So in the future, I'm going to uh, uh, confine my trips to Israel to short five-day trips for video shooting, but I can't take off for two full weeks to take a group over. So this will be my last tour that I will lead until my wife gets well, and then uh, we will have uh, Nathan leading uh, tours and other members of our staff, and we probably have about three tours a year. Okay, okay, I got you there. So, Okay, let's go back now to these other important questions here. Um, you didn't want to stop with what's the first most important sign, so you went on, what do you think was the second most important sign yeah, as well? Yeah, that was a very, very interesting answers to, uh, uh, to those uh, questions. Of what do you consider to be the second most important sign of the end times? And I knew there would be a lot of uh, scattering of answers on that, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, six of the uh, uh, experts said that they thought it was spiritual corruption in the church, and uh, Boy, that certainly is a major sign because the Bible speaks over and over the fact that in the end times there's going to be tremendous apostasy in the church. Not only the development of cults, but in the church itself there's going to be all kinds of spiritual darkness and apostasy. And, brother, that, that we are seeing that all around us today right up to our ears. And, it, you know, uh, 20 years ago if I had told you that uh, uh, I... Uh, I believe that uh, churches would be ordaining homosexuals and performing uh, homosexual marriages. You would probably have thought I was uh, crazy as a loon. And yet that's happened. It's happened in a very short period of time. We've got major, quote, evangelical leaders today who are denying that Jesus is the only way to God, that there are many different roads to God. There's gross apostasy in the church today, and the term evangelical has ceased to have any meaning. And then the four of our uh, uh, people decided that uh, they thought the second most important uh, development was the uh, development of the, the, the revival of the old Roman Empire through the uh, resurrection of the Euro uh, in the form of the European Union today. And that certainly is a very important one that people have talked about for uh, several hundred years that's going to happen, and it's happened before our very eyes. In third place was the uh, Ezekiel alignment of uh, nations that are talked about of of Muslim nations that are going to line up with uh, Russia, or the nations that are going to line up with Russia, and all of which are Muslim today. And that is happening. We're seeing Iran, for example, uh, forming alliances with Russia that it's never formed before. And also tied there was modern technology, uh, things like the Internet and satellites uh, uh, that are helping us to understand prophecies we never understood before. For example, uh, the Bible says in Revelation 11 that the, uh, there will be two great witnesses of God in Jerusalem that will prophesy for three and a half years, call the world to repentance, and they'll be killed, and the whole world will look upon their bodies for three and a half days. Well, nobody understood that prophecy until the mid-1960s, because how could the whole world look upon two bodies lying in the streets of Jerusalem? Well, today, through satellite television, all you've got to do is point a TV camera at them, zap it up to a satellite, and the whole world can watch them. And uh, then two of our uh, respondents, one of whom has gone on to be with the Lord, Jack Kinsella, uh, picked out the Jewish reoccupation of the city of Jerusalem on June the 7th, 1967, as the second most important. 
and then there were others who picked other things. But uh, that was very interesting to read all of the different uh, uh, second most important signs that people selected. Well, when you mentioned, I think among the second most important, one of the second in place there of favoritisms was the revival of the Roman Empire. I know that that's an important, I've heard you teach on that, that that's an important sign to be watching for. And as a matter of fact, I think another book David's written is called The Man of Lawlessness, uh, The Antichrist in the Tribulation, another very good book. And you, in, in that book, you also uh, dispel the, the trend toward some of these people thinking that the Antichrist will be a Muslim. Yeah. And I think one of the detractors to the sign of the re- revival of the Roman Empire is this uh, you know, new paradigm shift and not embraced by a lot of our traditional teachers here, yourself That's and me true, as yeah. well, that um, that it's a detractor from that actual importance of the revival of the Roman Empire. Yes, I mean, here, here is a major prophecy being fulfilled before our very eyes, and they're saying, uh, they're yawning over it and saying, oh, it doesn't have anything to do with uh, end times. Uh, it, it's all going to be over in the Muslim world where all this is going to take place. <laughs> Yeah, and so that's another, we're talking about David Reagan of Lamb Lion uh, Ministries, lamblion.com, lamblion.com is his website. You can get these books, Living on Borrowed Time and The Man of Lawlessness. Now, uh, and I found this one question very important, and it says, how do you interpret Matthew 24, verses 32 through 35? And I'm going to read it real quick. Sure. It says, now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Now, what was the responses you got on that question about the fig tree parable? Well, that's uh, very interesting. We had a scattering of responses there. Uh, certainly the, the um, uh, 50% of the people, 10 of uh, 20 people uh, responded to this question. Uh, there were two who did not for some reason. I don't know why. But uh, the 20 who responded, 10, took the position uh, that, uh, yes, it does refer uh, to Israel, that uh, the fig tree is a symbol of Israel, and it's speaking of putting forth leaves. Uh, Jesus was prophesying that the state of Israel would be re- uh, reestablished in the uh, end times. So that was the majority view. Um, then uh, there were others who uh, said no, that they didn't think that uh, it had anything to do uh, with Israel, and they had uh, some, you know, they had good biblical arguments about why they believed that, and it wasn't just something pie in the sky that they uh, threw out there. Um, I think it was interesting that uh, uh, Tim LaHaye took the position that he did not believe that it referred to, to Israel, that it just simply referred to all of the signs coming together in the uh, end times. I don't remember, uh, Bill, what your position was on that. What, what, do you remember what uh, position you took? Well, I do believe that Israel is the, uh, is the super sign of the end times, and that that was demonstrated, and that's what Christ was saying in Matthew 24. He actually specifically had been giving a whole list of end times signs in response to his questions of the apostles, and then he said, now learn this. So in other words, he singled that out as the super sign. Right. So to me, I was uh, among the ten who would say... Well, and I think it's very interesting, Bill, in, in the latest issue of our magazine, the January-February issue, um, which you can find on our website, uh, I announced there that Tim LaHaye has changed his position. And uh, just in the last few months, he suddenly decided that he had been wrong about that. He suddenly decided that uh, uh, he really did believe that... Uh, the fig tree applies to Israel. So that's a major change for him. And uh, 
he often uh, will speak up and say, you know, on the basis of studying this, I've decided it doesn't mean that it means something else. Uh, he's always he's a very f- fertile mind and is not stuck in his ways. Yeah, and I think that's important, which actually kind of leads to another question you asked. Um, but also, I did read that in your magazine about Tim LaHaye's uh, change of disposition on that. And he, he did talk about the Old Testament quotes in Hosea and Jeremiah as right. to uh, where you do see Israel pictured as, as a fig tree as far as the representation of the nation. So, Well, what, that, that's very important because they are pictured that way. But I, I, to me, it's just uh, the whole context of the thing also emphasizes that because a day or two before that, Jesus was walking over the Mount of Olives and he suddenly put a curse on a fig tree and it just dwindled before his very eyes. And that was what I call symbolic prophecy, that the fig tree represents Israel and uh, uh, what he was showing there is because Israel had rejected him as Messiah, God was going to pour out his wrath upon the nation. The nation would be set aside for a while. But then he, a couple of days later, he says, you know, you remember that fig tree? Watch it. One day it will, it will bloom again. And when that happens, all these things are going to occur. And that's what we, as we look at the course of Israel's history and its present existence, we see that fulfilled and being fulfilled. Again, David Reagan, we are doing an interview on his book, Living on Borrowed Time, The Imminent Return of Jesus. Many, many more questions. I know you had at least 10 that you had asked me in that panel. And the one that uh, I wanted to go to and probably conclude the show with here is... uh, Question number four, and and I, I want to segue into it by talking about, like you just reached, uh, talked about, Tim LaHaye has changed his disposition on the interpretation of Matthew 24. Um, you know, we can't be dogmatic. We look through Bible prophecy uh, through a, a, a glass dimly is how I like That's to say true. it. You know, as the closer we get to a prophetic event, the clearer it becomes to us as we still look through that glass. But we are still trying to share notes amongst each other here. That's why I appreciate the fact you got the the thoughts from multiple uh, Bible prophecy teachers. But one of your questions that was very important that might segue into this is how do you interpret Daniel 4 where he says, uh, you know, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. In other words, Daniel was trying to interpret the Daniel, who could interpret dreams and was such a good prophet and understood prophecy so well, he was beside himself trying to interpret uh, the end times prophecies relative to his people, and he was told to seal up the vision, you know, the book until the time of the end, because that's when it appeared to be discerned. Now, what your question was, how do you interpret Daniel 12:4? What was the responses on that one? Well, we had a, a variety of, of responses to it, and uh, uh, which is what makes this so interesting to read, but. Uh, I would say the the majority viewpoint definitely was the view that uh, this refers to the fact that in the end times, uh, travel and education will be uh, vastly increased, uh, knowledge and, and education both. And uh, the others said no, that uh, they thought that this really simply referred to the fact that uh, it was going to be, uh, that the book of Daniel uh, would be better understood. And... Uh, that people would uh, be uh, searching to and fro and didn't have anything to do with travel and education. But I think the majority viewpoint was that it did have to do with travel and education. And uh, I tend to take that view because uh, I think that uh, the Bible indicates there and also in the uh, statements of Jesus that in the end times we're going to see everything on what I call the exponential curve. In other words, there's going to be more hurricanes and more intense, more earthquakes, more intense, more knowledge a greater population, everything's going to be on the exponential curve. And I have a whole presentation about that uh, that is contained in this book uh, about how 
all every every aspect of life in the 20th century was on the exponential curve. I call it the accelerator principle, including world evangelism, and that we're just seeing an explosion in every area of life. And this, I think, this is pointing to that in Daniel 12:4. Yeah, and I I would agree with all three of those. I think it is dealing with travel and education and information and also discernment yes. of Daniel's uh, yes. prophecies, the very things he was he just was told to seal it up because it wasn't going to make sense to him right. as it as it would make sense to the generation that would <laughs> Basically need that what the Lord told him there is quit wringing your hands over it and being worried about it. You just write it down when the time comes for it to be understood. It will be understood, and that's one of the reasons I believe we're living in this season of the Lord's return. We're understanding prophecies we never understood before. Absolutely. So, uh, again, David, thank you so much for being on the program. You well, know, thank we, you for having me, Bill. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, and so you can get a hold of David at Lamb and Lion Ministries. That's lamblion.com, his book, Living on Borrowed Time. I highly recommend, if you want to be clear that you are living in the last days, this is the book to put into your library because it, it, he gets the, the, the cream of the crop on uh, their, their thoughts on the last days and these questions. Again, we just covered about four of them today, but he's got much, much more in there, and that's just one section of his book. So, David, thanks again for being on the program, and uh, we will look forward to having you back on. Thank you, Bill.